Oh, oh, hi. Hi, we're, we're live. Have someone. Hi, wow, look at that. Three people ready. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Nancy Rommelman. I'm Liz Wolf. And we are here to do a live post mortem on uh, our governor, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who resigned today and who Lizzie wrote about this today for a reason. Yeah, basically, I mean, a lot of us have been covering this for the last 18 months. We've sort of been cataloging uh, Cuomo's many uh, failures. There's never really a shortage of anything to write about on this front. Um, but, you know, a lot of us have really criticized his nursing home directive issued on, on March 25th and the subsequent cover-up and how this really, you know, the state attorney general report found that this led to, um, you know, a whole bunch of, of death toll that might not have otherwise happened. And then they covered up, I think, 4,000 deaths or so. Um, but the thing that actually finally got him was re a report surfacing, uh, and the state attorney general investigated this, of him harassing, sexually harassing 11 women, nine of whom worked for him, and retaliating against one of those accusers. I mean, at least at, at least that's the number that came forward. Yeah, um, exactly. Now, I did not get a chance. There was a 165-page report that was put out a week ago by the attorney general's office in, in New York, the yeah. attorney general. I got to about page 27 today. I, I got to tell you, it is, it's, it's, it's really grotesque. And I'm not just talking about like, ew, he touched her there. The pattern, the absolute deliberate pattern of, um, of behavior that is not just about being a gross lech or as he's trying to paint himself, oh, I'm from a different generation. This is not about someone just like calling you honey and maybe like, you know, being a little kissy. This is a very deliberate, um, repeated behavior to put people in, to make them feel very precarious, to make them feel anxious, to create a situation where he was going to be dominant and tyrannical. Yeah, the thing that's really striking to me, and you and I were talking about this just a little bit ago, is the degree to which this is uh, a pattern of behavior um, and, and the degree to which he had all of these people in his inner sanctum who uh, allowed this type of behavior, who saw it happening, who didn't speak up for, for the women who were filing complaints and reports. I mean, there were so many people, even those sort of in his, in his ranks, uh, you know, really close to him, who very much corroborated this idea of a tyrannical and easily angered guy. Um, so it's really abundantly clear upon reading this report that there was just no uh, way of really seeking accountability for, for his actions. Well, what did I tell you when you walked in the door? I mean, the women, <laughs> uh, I'll read you just a very quick passage that was uh, from the uh, report. It said, um, uh, there was one gal, Charlotte Bennett, 25, and she, he, Cuomo had asked her if she'd been with an older man, asked about age differences in partners, asked him to find him a girlfriend, and that he would be fine with someone as young as 22, told her if she got a tattoo on her butt, she could get it on her butt so it wouldn't be seen, that he was lonely and wanted to be touched, and he wanted to ride his motorcycle into the mountain with a woman and called her Daisy Duke. And the two women that were sort of his head of staff in his office felt that this was not enough. These were not enough to go and sort of form an engage investigation. When you came in today, I was like, he's, he protects himself with women, right? So they're the ones, she, they're like, it's like Jelaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, right? Like they're the ones that are protecting this behavior and, and essentially allowing it to continue for, I mean, I mean, when we say it's been 18 months, come on, this is, this well, has yeah. to have been his entire career. 
I think I think 18 months that people in the libertarian and conservative press have really been paying attention because all of this started with us noticing the mishandling of COVID and saying, wait a second, his nursing home directive, which I think it's worth, you know, explaining what it is. It was issued on March 25th and it basically gave the guidance um, that nursing homes uh, were forced to readmit people and to admit people when they were released from hospitals without properly testing them for COVID before. So yes, testing resources were scarce at this time. And yes, we didn't know nearly as much about the virus then as we do now. But even then, we did know that containment measures are important, that testing, especially for the most vulnerable elderly people, is absolutely crucial, and that this shit can spread like wildfire in a nursing home if it goes unchecked, and if people aren't vigilant about, okay, is there a COVID-positive person who's coming into contact with other people in their 80s? That is something where so many other governors in so many other states managed to do it properly, and yet, in New York, not so. Okay, but... But not only <laughs> that, but then when he gets busted, he covers it up and has yeah. his staff cover it up. Okay, this we is should only call them henchmen from now on, not staff. The henchmen they squandered okay. all credibility. And this is something else I mentioned to Lizzie when he came in. Look, we have all been around dudes that have been like Ugh, gross and lechy, and like the friend's dad who's like trying to kiss you on the lips. Yeah. It's gross. Okay, you deal with it. You ugh, you don't hang around these people. This is the governor. Okay, this is the fucking governor that is supposed to be helping people. Instead, he's just got this whole little environment there where apparently also reading today, he's got a terrible temper, right? So you've Mm -hmm. got people, mostly women, walking around on eggshells, right? You don't want to get him mad. So they don't get him mad. And then something happens and you don't know where to turn because everybody's insecure. It sounds, I don't like the word toxic. It's way overused, but it sounds like just a cesspool in there. Well, it's a hostile work environment, and I think you can see this. I mean, this was very well substantiated by Letitia James's report. And I think one of the things... Who is Letitia James the, again? The state attorney Oh, general. she's one, okay. Um, and I think one of the things that really came through with all of it was this idea, because Lindsay Boylan was one of the most prominent accusers. And right. this was interesting because, you know, naysayers uh, or just people who are interested in being judicious and discerning about this we're basically looking at Boylan surfacing these accusations. She'd formerly been a, a pretty senior aide in, in Cuomo's office. But they saw that this was coinciding with, with her attempted run uh, to be Manhattan borough president. Right. So understandably, hackles were raised as sure. they should be. But It's politics. Right. Sure. But the thing that is really astonishing to me when you go through this report is seeing the degree to which uh, some of Cuomo's top henchmen, like like Rich Azopardi, uh, Doug and, and Melissa De La Rosa, dug up... Uh, Boylan's report from when she had worked in the office to try to find dirt on her, to try to find uh, other staff member complaints against her, and basically circulated a whole bunch of dirt on her to journalists, uh, you know, this sort of sting operation, and and to other staffers, even going so far to draft an op-ed authored by Cuomo that they circulated internally that had all this dirt dug up on her. They ultimately decided not to pitch that to news outlets because it looked like victim blaming, which, I mean, yeah, um, well, just thing, trying to discredit her. Well, exactly. It was this huge, but it was astonishing to me the degree to which, like, they're using a confidential personnel file to try to smear this person. I mean, I get it. It's politics, but come on. It no. just shows the degree no. to which they were this such is the governor. Yeah. Okay? This is not how you're supposed to be. None of this is supposed to be how you're behaving. And, yeah. I mean, imagine you get caught. It's not just that he made, okay, sometimes we all... You know, when COVID first came around, we didn't know a lot of things. People made mistakes. We all made mistakes and bad assumptions, right? So obviously this was a huge mistake. But then he tried to cover it up. It's like the 
No, you're... Well, and at the time, his senior aides were, were using the excuse of, well, they, they can't trust that a Department of Justice uh, investigation under Trump would be right. fair to them. And it's like, right. you know what? It's not... Even if you don't like the administration in charge, and even if you think they're bad and corrupt and all of these things, it is not your responsibility. It is not appropriate for you to flout... Uh, attempts by the Department of Justice to investigate what's going on and to properly and transparently re- report to your constituents. It's like you don't get to just sort of extra legally decide that on your own. They lied. That's not how this fucking works. I mean, they lied. Oh, well, we had to lie yeah. because, you know, Trump or Trump or people that are political enemies were going to make hay. Oh, okay. Well, now you're fine, right? Yeah. The, the, the ends do not justify the means. All right, let's, let's get back to... Um, to some of the um, what did you what did you read today in that report? Because I know you got to about page thirty, a little further than I did. <laughs> what did you read today that you just like your jaw just dropped, or you were just so angry? I mean, I I think what bothered me was the degree to which Cuomo kept passing things off. He kept just there's this pattern of lying that really bothers me, where his alibis they're just like not good enough. Uh, I'm thinking about the Mingle Mamas comment where uh, two of his executive assistants were uh, talking about how they're taking a trip to Florida and, you know, they're single and ready to mingle and one was going through a divorce. And, you know, so Cuomo kept referring to them as Mingle Mamas. And in another encounter with them, uh, they'd been bar hopping in Saratoga Springs and he'd made some sexually suggestive comment about how he really wishes he went out with them. Um, And then he said later his, his justification of this was, well, maybe they misheard it. Because what I actually said was that Saratoga Springs is a beautiful place to visit. Dude, that's just, like, how stupid, how gullible do you think people are? And and there's just this pattern of that type of thing where he would say something like, you know, let's go out and, you know, hit the town with the Mingle Mamas. Like, I really wish I were with you tonight. And then he'd be like, no, actually, I just think Saratoga Springs is a really cool place. Well, he didn't oh. get the, the the attorney general in the report said this this was just so completely yeah. incredible. Or, uh, is uncredible a word? Anyway, <laughs> it, was not, it was not credible. Uh, what really just kept hitting home for me is how absolutely insultingly he treated these women like you would not like you wouldn't realize he was like trying to hit on you when he's 60 years old and he's saying like well i i'd go out with someone like 22 or i really oh this is so gross to me i really want to like take a a ride on my motorcycle with a woman in the mountains like you don't realize that he's of course you realize that he's hitting on you but he thinks it's like he just he doesn't even think he doesn't even think it's literally just this like litany of insulting things to like like the woman is just like like a like a an object there yeah that he's just like saying whatever this thing is i mean it it was really the one thing that just made me like almost hurl was he's like he said to one woman he's like okay let's compare heights and then he stood with his front to her back uh ew Yikes. Ah, I mean, yeah. There's So it's interesting. So, like, there's all that that we're sort of, like, viscerally pissed off by. But then there's the more concrete, mm-hmm. more specific examples of, like, him reaching under uh, an employee's shirt to grope her breast. Like, that's pretty fucking deliberate. That's not just a hand. Right. I mean, right. not, not that you should or could excuse uh, an accidental butt grab or something to that effect. Um, but there are, there are, I think, sometimes situations, and we've seen this with sort of the explosion of Me Too-related allegations, there are some things that are in this 
squishy gray territory. And so Nancy and I, I think, are sometimes some of the first to say, well, wait a second. I really, really need to understand the context right. before right. I tar this person as an abuser. Right. You can't unring a bell. Exactly. Right? And so. So, so with some of uh, the accidental hand brushing along somebody's body part or whatever, I'm, I'm inclined to look for more context. But with stuff as overt as reaching underneath somebody's shirt and grabbing their breast or what Lindsay yeah. Boylan alleged is of him kissing her on the lips when she objected, it's stuff like that. Or that like ass grab the fight. He's like, yeah, he exactly. said to one guy, he's like, Let, take a selfie. So while she's got the camera yeah. on, she's taking the selfie, he's got his hand on her butt for five seconds massaging it. Yeah. Five seconds. I mean, this is this is absolutely deliberate. It's a setup. It's a setup, and it's like how much, I guess, can he get away with? Yeah. Um, well, the answer, I think, is a lot because <laughs> of the media enablers. I think this is something that you and I were talking about uh, this yeah, a little bit yeah. before. Uh, and I was thinking about this because I went through and I read Molly Jong Fast's piece in Vogue um, that was just like, oh man, it was a. Was it? A, was it a? It was. It was defending Cuomo. Oh, this. Well, I mean, it was from March 2020, so like, oh. of course it was because that was when we were, you know, so many people were doing the, oh, but right, he's our right. dear leader and he's so comforting type Ugh. thing. What she said at this time, um, oh, dear Lord, she said. There's something nice to actually have have someone in government whom you can actually trust. Yes, <gasps> Andrew Cuomo may be imperfect, but he's still the closest thing we have to an FDR for our time. Uh, what? But this was a tack that people kept taking, right? This was, I mean, I want to contextualize this. This was March 2020. This is when Jezebel ran a piece of, like, I think I'm sexually attracted to Cuomo. This is when we had the New York Times. We had Ben Smith, a media critic of the New York Times, who's often very, very good, uh, doing a little bit of the thing uh, that was, uh, what was it? Andrew Cuomo is the control freak we need right now. There was another New York Times headline from also from March of 2020 uh, that was saying the same blunt and sometimes paternalistic traits that have long rubbed his critics raw have morphed into a source of comfort. One of the things that we need to be doing as the press, and this is a reminder to both of us uh, and to everybody overall, is like the source of comfort thing, the finally having someone, someone in government who you can actually trust, Miss me with that. No, that's not helpful because what that leads to is allowing people to get away with behavior like this, allowing them and his his top aides to manipulate us into not actually telling the truth, which does such a disservice to the 20 million people in New York who were harmed by the state-mandated lockdowns, by having their businesses be crippled, by having their family members be sent back into residential care facilities where they then contracted COVID and died. Like, this isn't something where it's like some abstract harm caused. We're talking about 20 million total people all of whom were affected by this in some way. It's inexcusable. I <laughs> think the paper of record. I think that, um, and I obviously I've said this a lot because I covered Portland and I saw how people really lost their minds. And maybe they yeah. lose their minds always when there's a when there's an issue. But you know, under Trump, people became incredibly polarized and became incredibly ready to jump at anything. Yeah. And uh, you know, they were they were jumping to get angry. But maybe these people. For whatever their reasons are, or their 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 weak spots, they also like wanted a hero. They wanted a hero so desperately, and we were in desperate times that they were willing to see Andrew Cuomo as a hero. Now, I never, I, I it completely baffled me this whole love gut thing. I'm like, oh, uh, like, and he wasn't even, he wasn't even particularly charming or anything. He was just, it was sort of like it wasn't interesting, and I didn't think he was doing anything particularly bold. But clearly. Um, you know, he, you know, like Giuliani was during 9-11 for, for a brief incandescent moment. He became the people, the person that people were going to look to, I guess. I, I realize this because I think even like off the cuff remarks for reporters, like I remember one time in, in Reason's Slack channel, I made some comment, 
Yeah, this was during like the the debates about how like Amy Klobuchar seems so like funny and goofy, and and it occurs to me now, even just like stuff as like milk toast and boring as that, like, uh, my bad. No, like yeah. politicians should never enchant you, and if you are a reporter, regardless of your partisan what affiliations, what about Justin Amash? Uh, 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 damn it, you got me. <laughs> shit, 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 damn it. Uh, I don't know. Marsh stands? Now he just like hangs out in the woods with his family. I don't know what he's up to. Um, he has like cool sneakers. Yeah. I don't know, man. No, but but I think it is like a really good lesson. And honestly, like good on you for being like, well, what about this libertarian yeah, person? What about the, the lone The exception makes the rule, right? But again, like it's it's important to continuously remind ourselves like, I even think about this when it comes to uh, politicians like Ron Wyden, where, like, on some things they're really excellent, yeah. on other things they're he, absolutely terrible. Actually, Wyden, I think, is a really interesting politician in that sometimes I read, I like, oh, Ron, and then I'm like, oh, wow, well, that was pretty cool, yeah. Ron. So he's thinking, okay? He's yeah. thinking. He's not, like, just a party guy, right? But it's a good reminder for us to not get so enchanted by the rare politician who feels like they can... Um, you know, instill a sense of, of comfort and confidence in us. Like, that's not an indicator that they're overall good. And also, it's just like, it's not our job to be excited by these people, to be all, to feel all warm and fuzzy inside. That's really not what we're here for. Well, not even just the politicians, but the stories. This is what's happening. People, you know, journalists, uh, the media is not only falling for the politician, but they're falling for the story, the narrative that is now going to be the thing that explains everything or makes us feel very comfortable or makes us feel very right. And I guess people believing that he was the hero he was portraying himself to be with this stupid book. Oh, man, one thing, because I wrote about Cuomo back in um, not March 2020, but March 2021 for Newsweek, and there was something slightly gratifying to know that the book did not go into a second printing. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't sold particularly well. It seems like the all the money that he got from it was pretty much from the, the initial book deal, mm. more so than anything else, which, by the way, also reports surfaced, uh, alleging that he'd had AIDS work on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. On, you know, oh, of course he did. Payroll. You know, it's very rare. I mean, how do these people yeah. come out with a book in three months yeah. while they're be, trying to be the governor and, and hit on all the people? That, you know, there's just no time. Yeah. You can't do all those things. One thing that made me kind of said, this was a quote from the um, report from one of the staffers. And she said, you know, we are almost uniformly good people who killed ourselves to accomplish his, Cuomo's, agenda for his political glory and for the feeling that he would make decisions with public service as his driving goal. I feel cheated out of that. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, you're working, and meanwhile, he's behaving so badly, and you're trying to squint hard enough that... You know, maybe your friend texted you that something happened, but you're like, yeah, but we have a larger goal here. Look, it's a crisis. We've got a pandemic, and, you know, we just have to all kind of pull together, and he's going to make the right decisions. Well, not only was he behaving abominably, but he wasn't making the right decisions. So, yeah, I would feel cheated too, right? You supported someone that was personally uh, uh, and, and professionally craven. It's, it's interesting. One of the things that bothered me about this was Biden's uh, reaction to all of this, which was basically something along the lines of like, well, you know, he did a pretty good job. It's such a shame that he's out now because he did a pretty good job in his handling of all of this, in his handling of COVID, which to me is just like, like missing the point. I mean, I, I don't expect much else that, from that, Biden. That's right? politics. Line, that, that's politics, right? You know, if it was DeSantis, it were, it would not, yeah. it would be a completely different situation. But it situation. does bother me the fact that Cuomo was, was uh, you know, resigned because of this, because of the Attorney General's report on the sexual harassment, because it, it, it makes me worry that the sort of mainstream takeaway is not going to be 
all the terrible things he did as a result of COVID policy. It's not going to be the substantive policy stuff. It's going to be his personal conduct, which is bad. But like we can hold these two ideas, both of these ideas in our heads at the same time of like you can like it's important that we learn from the terrible policy and the fact that so many people died as a result of it. Do you think that he would have been out had he had a stellar record on COVID? I don't know. I think I think kind of. Do you? I, 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 I think that there would have been more political sway, more media sway. Look, at the, we're talking about people, you know, a year, yeah. year and a half ago. I think there would have been a larger wave to um, whether it was to do discredit the women or whether it was to kind of like, you know, discipline him. I don't know. I think he... Like rehab, rehabilitation. Yeah, I, I was watching. I, you know, ne well, first of all, I rarely turn on the television news, but certainly not during the day, but I turned it on today. And on uh, CNN, they were going to a person. They were saying, well, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's resigning now because, you know, he kind of lost, he lost everybody's confidence and all of his people had resigned. Like there were like two people left on his inner circle, one of which was his brother. Everyone else was gone. And they're like, well, he's resigning now so that, you know, basically he's keeping his powder dry so that he can come back later and make some, a sort of comeback. I mean, this is, I mean, how short are people's memories? How desperate are people to, to, to revivify or they're this hero. I mean, this is, it's ridiculous. I, I hope he does not have a political future because he did not do a good job now. And I don't see just because he did like the right thing and resigned, which was the right thing to do because yeah. impeachment would have taken months and dollars and time and, you know, get out of here. But he, no, I don't rehabilitate him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do believe people can change and that's fine. But I don't see him changing and then putting him back in a position of uh, political power. No. It's really important to me that there are good and appropriate takeaways from this. What do you think some of those takeaways are? Well, it's interesting because, as, as Lizzie said, we're all, both of us are very cautious about making accusations against people. Any accusation. Yeah. I mean, I've also, you know. We sort of sift through them, and it's really difficult. I mean, you were telling me about, you know, times when you've been painted as somebody who denies or rejects me oh, too altogether. And you and I were both talking about this like, beforehand of, like, you and I are in favor of being judicious and sifting through the accusations and weighing uh, the context and also being aware that young women can certainly get power uh, and abuse it. And there are, anybody, can yeah, anybody, and, it, and it's just- We're skeptical, we're discerning, we're supposed to be that way. I don't care if it's Me Too or if it's like an opportunity to seek some sunshine for something, you know, People will take advantage, and I have been in a position where I've written about a lot of people who have taken advantage of people's goodwill and, and you know, whether they fabricated that they were ill, whether they fabricated that they'd been abused in order to feel loved and accepted and get their moment in the sunshine. So that is like my history and this kind of reporting stuff. I see something like this, and I'm like, wow, I had not read the report before today. Of course, I'd written about it for Newsweek, but I, I, I had not gone in depth. My takeaway from this is... I would hope that the women in these offices or any office that, like, didn't speak up at the time, a lot of them did. A lot of them had, like, texted friends and, and talked to people. They also established a paper trail, which was then useful Smart. in the investigation of this. Um, what I would hope always is that women or anybody speaks up quickly, 
preferably right to the dude's face. Get your fucking hand off my ass, okay? Yeah. What's he going to do? Oh, now you're fired? Well, I'm sorry. No, he's not because you have just, like, you know, tape it. Do, do whatever. Well, no, I'm not advising that. I'm just saying speaking up sooner, the allegations in this report are so damning and so clear. This is not a squishy thing. This is not like, oh, Grandpa likes to hug ladies, you know, okay, whatever, he's old, dude. Cuomo's trying to paint it as that. Oh, I'm Italian. You know, we like to touch each other. Yeah. No, that's not what this is. This, this is, is so, anti-Italian. That's right. <laughs> I, this is so clear cut. I would hope the takeaway from this is, look, when this is clear cut, people get together and we get rid of these people. Yeah. That it, it can happen. It can happen quickly. You know how it happens more quickly? First of all, don't let it happen. Speak up. And also just say something. Like, don't don't wait around for seven months because you feel bad and you think like this poor woman, like we're doing good work. Well, speak up. One of the things that I think is really fascinating about this, uh, this political moment right now, and I'm not totally sure how to tie this all together, but we're seeing this repudiation of um, bad, I think it's bad COVID policies, I think partially at least, um, because we're, I mean, I keep thinking about the recall initiative that's currently underway in California with Governor Gavin Newsom and how there are a lot of people, I think, on both coasts who are, and it's frustrating, right, because I don't want to paint Cuomo's resignation as too perfectly tied to lockdown policies because it's, I mean, it's pretty abundantly clear that that's not the thing that was really salient and resonant to a bunch of people. But I, I can't help but think that the people who were sort of heralded in March and April and May 2020 as our glorious saviors, um, you know, against the tide of sort of Trump incompetence, right now they've come under fire for actually turning out to be very, very bad uh, governors who did a, an incredibly poor job and subjected millions and millions of people. I mean, you add up the population of, what, California and New York, and we're talking 50 or 60 million people. I mean, that's a lot of people living I think under more. these. more. I, I yeah. don't know, but yeah. Like California's 35, 40? 40. Yeah. I mean, but we're talking about a lot of people who are living under uh, these, these reigns of terror of, of people who are playground padlockers who are depriving kids of school who are, who are bending over for the teachers and unions who uh you know thankfully they've done a pretty good job with vaccination campaigns i want to give credit where due i got my vaccine very quickly and i was grateful mm -hmm. for that um and and i was impressed by the the mass vaccination sites and their efficiency but there's also something to be said for like these lockdown policies have forced a lot of people to suffer and people in california are certainly reacting to that and gaining a lot of traction with their recall initiative. It's a shame. I mean, Matt Walsh, uh, you know, one of the Paloma Media uh, fellow, one of our fellow dudes over here, uh, and Shohei Otani. Uh, how do That's I right. Shohei Otani fan. Uh, Who we saw chief. play. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I know. But, uh, but Matt Walsh has written about it, you know, this idea of it's a shame we can't fire more governors. California has the recall, uh, the ability to recall governors. Why the hell doesn't New York? You know, we can only impeach them. We can't recall them. I think we should be able to recall as many governors as possible, and a whole bunch of them have deserved that. I, you know, what what Cuomo did, again, you know, my friend uh, Jeff Miller, who's got a great uh, sushi place here in town called Rosella, I met him right sort of during uh, the pandemic, and he used to call uh, Cuomo Lord Cuomo because whatever he said dictated how what he was allowed to do that day. I'm open. I'm closed. I have to have a street thing. No, I can't have the street thing. I got to go out to Staten Island and get three sandbags, and if I don't get them by today, I'm closed. It was just insane, and it's like the the power that they have to like sort of marionette everybody, and then to to do it badly, and then I mean Newsom. Oh my God, I love Newsom's. Like you know, I don't. 
a recall is just really a waste of, of the taxpayer's money. It's like, yeah, well, dude, they're going to be willing to waste this money if they can get rid of you. He's been, he's been pretty, pretty singularly terrible as a lot of his state, a lot of the cities just freaking circle the drain. Isn't he also the one which, like, I know it's sort of a, it's a cheap shot to, you know, call out politicians for their hypocrisy. But, I mean, we also do need to do this as the media. Jerry Tuchilli has written for Reason mm-hmm. about uh, pandemic rules are just for the little people. And well, I think Cuomo uh, is, is an embodiment of this in many ways because of him securing testing and special favors for VIPs in New York early in the pandemic. But Newsom is this as well with his French laundry dinner for me, but not for thee uh, thing earlier in the pandemic where he dined, wined and dined a bunch of lobbyists uh, at one of the most you know sought after restaurants. And then his children who, you know, school children in California haven't done a lot of in-person schooling this past year. Oh, but, but his have. But at least, but yeah, but at least his kids get to go to public school or to private school. Yeah, you know, that's what, a, right. what a delight to be able to afford to have that option. Oh, it's a shame many Californians don't have that that access. And they're being told that they have to they have to stay inside again. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, I, 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 at some point, I just wonder what people are just going to say no. No. Uh, you know, you, you think that they would have gotten to that point, but instead they just sort of like, they just suffer. And yeah. it's, 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 it's terrible. Do you think he'll be recalled? I don't know. I've been following the initiative. One of the things that I think is worth considering, and my colleague Scott Shackford has written about this a little bit, is the fact that the the D's haven't done a super good job of communicating to voters, to would-be voters, that not only do they need to vote on whether or not to recall uh, Newsom, but they also need to select a replacement for him. And so so there's that second part of the question that might be sort of glazed over. And so there's like some logistical challenges that I'm curious about how that'll work. And then people also feel overloaded and they're like, I can't, I don't know, I can't make the decision. So they don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. I, I have a feeling it won't succeed, but I don't know why I'm saying that. That's just a gut. They've actually gathered an awful lot of no, signatures to be able to do it. And I was sort of impressed by the pacing of that. And then the, the, it seems to be a pretty well-organized effort. And I'm fascinated by how much uh, anger has sort of been galvanized, especially by parents of young children who are basically saying, hey, I'm a single-issue voter now, and my issue is making sure that my kid, my, my six-year-old, right. can learn in person at a public school in California. And can go in, outside and play. Yeah. I, I, I actually really, really do hope, I do hope he's recalled because he's done an absolutely terrible job. You know who there's also a recall against? is uh, Mayor Ted Wheeler. Really? In Portland. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they, and, and interestingly, started by progressives because they, he just, everybody hates Ted. That should be the new, the new slogan around town. He just, he just, he, but it's his own fault. Like, he couldn't pick a lane, and, well, that's what happened. So I'm curious, though, do you think this results in like, do you think this ultimately results in better electoral outcomes? Like one of the things that I was thinking about a little bit today (laughs) is, okay, well, yeah, I mean, we're we're always doomed, right? It's always going to be the same cycle with variation. Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, who is replacing uh, Cuomo, some people are making the the interesting point, and I haven't done a whole bunch of research into this yet, that she might be even worse than Cuomo, uh, might be even more leftist and sort of. Uh, inclined to bad COVID So, policy. well, that's interesting. Okay, so you trade one bad penny yeah. for another, according to, like, you know, neither of us are, like, super big fans of super, super progressive policies, right? Yeah. Like, defund the police or whatever it is that she's doing. I don't really know anything about her, and I don't think I'm the only one. They were yeah. talking about that on the news today. They had to give, like, a, a primer of how to pronounce her name because <laughs> nobody... Did I do it right? I, I think so. What is it? Hoho? 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 Local? I don't know. Like local? Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. You know, New York is an interesting place right now where it's poised. Um, it's angry at what's happened, but you also have a really, really progressive element here, um, at least in terms of the voting 
the, the, yeah. the voting blocks. So I'm curious, do you guys have any questions for us? You guys should tweet yeah, us. Yeah, we've got, so we've got, um, I do have my, my phone chat. too. Um, the chat is here. I want to say, uh, yes, thank you. Someone said, um, even better than watching Paloma vids is easily hearing them as well. Yes, we have, we have dialed in the sound and uh, we're a little midway through, but we've got some pretty cool tech that's uh, going to be installed tomorrow. So we should be looking better, sounding better. And I'll give a little pitch for the website that's coming up soon. You guys can go over to palomamedia.com right now and you'll just see a placement, this little page that they're hopefully launching about August 30th, probably a little later because, you know, everything takes a little longer. But um, yeah, we've got some interesting changes happening around here and a lot more podcasting. We've got people in here this week, next week. So um so keep watching. You should also DM us if you have any story ideas for things we ought to cover, things yes. we ought to dig into, any feedback for things we ought to cover with podcasts or with video episodes like this, just anything, even if you just want to give us your your critique or your love and appreciation. We or take your, it all. Or your we love oat, the engagement. Your oatmeal cookie recipe, like whatever. <laughs> so we are actually, so on uh, on Twitter, I'm Nancy Rom, N-A-N-C-Y-R-O-M-M. Yeah, I'm at L-I-Z-Z-Y-W-O-L. I regret uh, the username, but I made it when I was 14, and then I accidentally did well on Twitter. So <laughs> it's really Are you allowed to be on Twitter when you're 14? I don't know. I was. <laughs> a little while. Um, yeah, uh, stay in touch with us because we really are upping the studio. It's going to look better. It's going to sound better. We might as well use it. So um, tell us what you want to hear about, and uh, we'll keep doing it for you. So any, any parting thoughts? Parting thoughts? I think my parting thought is just uh, this is a good reminder to me as a reporter, and I mean, you consistently do this, Nancy, but there is just, uh, it is a wonderful reminder that we need to pay attention to uh, our ideological and partisan blinders and try to free ourselves of those as much as we can. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the school of journalistic thought that is acknowledging that and making that abundantly clear to your readers, being candid with them. I'm a libertarian. I'm extremely... Um, ideologically on board for that. And I think it's useful because it allows me to see some of the blind spots of both the left and the right. But I'm sure there are also things that I uh, am unaware that I sort of excuse or let off the hook. So it's a really, really good reminder for reporters to pay attention to uh, all the areas uh, where authoritarianism and tyrannical rule can really creep in and to remind ourselves to hold people's feet to the flames. That's what we're here for. Yeah, I am, I'm libertarian adjacent. I'm just endlessly curious about why people do what they do. And I, I love Who to, be, right? you know, well, people aren't, you know, they, they're like, <laughs> oh, wait, that matches what I'm thinking about. I'm going to sit right here. Uh, and so I just like to walk into an environment, usually like actually they call shoe leather reporting and, and find out what's going on. And for me, it's not so much about checking my biases. It's about, well, I guess I do that too, but it's about just sort of calmly bringing the story to the reader. Yeah. Like, it's not my job to get you inflamed, like, at all. Like, I, actually, it's my job to kind of present it to you in a way that as calmly as I can so that you can make a decision about it. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go eat some homemade poke that I made. Sounds good. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks tequila, for joining us, guys. Tequila and poke. Tequila this is ideal poke. after the end of a hectic day. <laughs>